All right, welcome into the Render Podcast. I am excited to be here with Dennis Bird today. Um, he's a small business owner in Galveston, Texas, and we are talking all things taxes today. I know a super exciting um, topic when it comes to business, but it's also very needed. Um, and so we're going to talk about that today. Hey there, you're listening to the Render Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm Cam, a visionary leader who has failed and thrived through small business leadership. After being in the events industry since 2010 and working with brands such as Nike, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Create and Cultivate, I became wildly passionate about education for small businesses. I teach others how to work with their dream clients the mistakes I've made along the way. I hope you leave here refreshed, engaged, and ready to take on your company, making the next right decision. yourself to our listeners, who you are, what you do, kind of what your experience is in small business. Uh, good morning, Cam, and thank you for having me. Uh, so I operate in the hospitality arena, uh, Galveston Island beachfront. Uh, we've got um, three beachfront properties, two hotels, and uh, one restaurant, large restaurant, 625 seats. So we sort of think of it as a dining and entertainment destination. And then outside of hospitality, we do uh, private debt and private equity. But uh, what I'm most well known for is, is flipping hamburgers at the spot restaurant along Seawall <laughs> Boulevard. Awesome. And how long have you been in the hospitality industry? Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Most of our listeners are um, in the hospitality industry as well, mainly events, hotels, catering, um, rentals, floral, things like that for events, but hospitality nonetheless. Yeah, so, so May 17th, uh, which was yesterday, represented our 23-year anniversary. Wow. So, uh, Congratulations. So it's been a while. So I, I, I worked at the spot as an 18 year old kid 23 years ago. And, and four years after that, I had the opportunity to purchase it. So I've owned it for 19 years, been in the business for myself for 19 years, but, but been in hospitality for a total of 23 years. That's awesome. That's really cool. And that you were able to work there and then now acquire it as your own too. That's really awesome. And you guys just, I kind of followed you a little bit on Facebook during the snowmageddon that we had here in Texas, and you guys still were able to operate and still able to kind of persevere through some really difficult storms in addition to the year that we all just had in 2020 as well. Right. Over the years, uh, we've, we've made a name for ourselves in the local community as being the last one to close and the first one to open uh, in regards to food. You know, every, everyone. Uh, prior to and immediately after a natural disaster, in our case, mostly hurricanes. But like you mentioned last year, we had the polar vortex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there's a, there's a general expectation that the spot is going to open in some capacity immediately following the natural disaster. So the, the polar vortex was, was no different. Um, <laughs> the pandemic, we never closed, albeit we operated in the incredibly limited capacities, uh, but we never closed. And uh, it, it's, it's become something that our community has come to expect out of us. That's incredible. I love that. We have in our core values that we're community oriented. Um, it says that we strive for community and we strive for inclusion and um, creating opportunities for community within our brand. And so I love that you guys kind of represent some of the similar things. That's really cool. Very much so. And we look back on 2020 and the, the two most important words to us in 2020 were taking care and that was taking care of our team, our guests, and our community. So it does sound like our visions are aligned. Yes, exactly. 
Exactly. That's awesome. Well, today we're talking about taxes and you and I are both in the great state of Texas um, where taxes are a little bit different for us here locally, but um, let's just kind of start talking about what that looks like for small business. Um, it's different than personal taxes. It's different than um, big, large corporation taxes. And so um, being that we're in a small business, I tend to see both within our podcast listeners and my students that I teach through our online course, um, that sometimes people forget to do their taxes or people um, don't think it's that big of a deal. They'll just do it later or they do it once a year instead of monthly, which creates, as we both know, a very large chunk of money at the end of a year. And so let's kind of just talk a little bit about what taxes look like. How do we prep for those? What does it look like as a small business owner to do that on um, a monthly, quarterly, yearly basis and all of that? Yeah, I think taxes oftentimes get overlooked in, in small business. So, uh, you know, we're small business. We st still think of ourselves as small business, but we do a number of, uh, you know, consultations, if you will, right? We have small businesses that come to our office quite often, and we just talk business like we're talking today. And taxes is, is something that is mandatory, but often overlooked. Mm -hmm. And there are many forms of taxes, right? If you, if you own a building, you've got property taxes. Uh, in the state of Texas, all across the state, the property taxes has significantly increased this year, right? I mean, I had, I had one hotel property increase in value 124% year over year. So, wow. so we're talking like a, a, a huge <laughs> $6 million valuation going up to like a $13 million valuation. Yeah. Right? Wow. Um, you, you have sales tax, right? This, this is a tax that you collect from a person who's paying you for your goods or services. Mm -hmm. and, and you're, you're sort of the, the custodian of that money, but it doesn't belong to you. It has to be paid on the 20th of every month in our case to the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, if you own a corporation, you got franchise taxes. Uh, we're paying all of our franchise taxes. They're due uh, June 15th. We're paying them all on June 1st. Um, and then you got federal income tax. And in, in federal income tax is probably one of the most challenging and oftentimes one of the most misleading. Uh, I, I remember many years in, in business operating at net loss, right? Early mm -hmm. on in my business, just reinvesting every dollar in, yeah. in in living above my restaurant, so so never having any additional cash. Um, and I remember the first year that my accountant said, you owe the federal government $40,000 in federal income tax. And I told my accountant, well, I've only got about $75,000 in my bank account. So how, how is that? Help me understand it. Right. We were very fortunate at that time that we did have the cash and we were able to make those payments in that payment. But, you know, now... You take 2020, for example, we pay millions of dollars in federal income tax, and we have to make those payments quarterly based on what we paid the prior year, right? Yeah. And I think that one thing that small business uh, often misses is a mortgage payment, right? So you have a mortgage payment, and you write a check each month to your lender, and that check consists of principal and interest. Well, that check, once you sign it, it's out of your operating account and it's paid your lender. But only the interest portion of that check is an expense. The way the federal government looks at the principal reduction is that's earnings, right? So you take, um, 
take one of my hotels, for example, where we have a $100,000 per month mortgage payment, $1.2 million per year. Well, about 50% of that is interest and about 50% of that is principal. So that's $600,000 a year that goes to my lender. Right. But the, the federal government says that's taxable income. Mm -hmm. You owe us federal income tax on $600,000 that you didn't put in your pocket. And so it can become a challenge if you don't plan accordingly. And, you know, I will tell people, I'll, I'll argue with many, many, many entities. I will never argue with a taxing entity. Just <laughs> tell me what my taxes are. Let me pay my taxes. It is an argument that you will always lose. Mm -hmm. And they can come and they can levy your business, right? They can take your house. Uh, the, the federal government, the state government, uh, you're the custodian of their taxes and they are going to get paid. It is one entity that I will not argue with. Right. Right. And if you don't pay them, they're going to get their money either way. So you might as well pay. That is a hundred percent accurate. Yeah. And I love that you were talking at the very beginning of this conversation of the money that we receive. So sales tax, for example, there is a portion of that in the state of Texas, it's 8.25% or somewhere around that. It might be different in other states, but 8% or 8.25 or whatever it looks like to you, 8% of that income. So $1,000 comes in. 8% of that is not yours. 8% of that is the government's. And I think it's um, common, and I've asked this question to some of my students, it's common that they think, oh, I just made $1,000. No, you didn't quite make $1,000. There's a portion of that money that is not yours. And so kind of having that mindset when we go into business and we're like, oh, we did a million dollars this year. We did, you know, fill in the blank, however much you did in business that year. Well, a certain percent of that didn't go to you certain percent of that you can't use to reinvest into the business. You can't put that into um, new products. You can't put that into um, new expenses. 8% of that or whatever percent you qualify for in your state or your country or wherever you're at, not yours. And so we have to have that mindset instead of thinking that every dollar that comes in is profit and every dollar that comes in is, is able to be used towards the business. Right. And, and, you know, as, as business, as business grows in our case, when the assets get larger and the taxes get larger, then, you know, we, we have to self-impose our own fiscal discipline and we have to say, well, we're going to escrow our property taxes on our own mm -hmm. because we have fiscal discipline and we don't want to get to January 31st and have to write a very large check in, in, you know, whether you're talking about a hotel, right, with a $100,000 a month mortgage payment, or you're talking small business with a $1,000 a month mortgage payment, the, the principle is the same, right? It, it, it is, it's just an extra zero. You can take the zeros off of it and apply it to whatever business. Uh, and, I, and I will tell you that I, I always said it was an extra zero until I bought my first hotel and it was an extra zero. And my, my whole, I stopped saying that as often. Right, but, right. Uh, but nonetheless, yes, you've got to have you've got to have fiscal discipline, and you have to you have to prepare for those things. You know, like you said, you know, if you bring in a thousand dollars in a month, well, you really only brought in uh, uh, what's that nine hundred and twenty dollars, if my yep. math is, is right, yep. somewhere around there. <laughs> right, it's so about about eighty dollars isn't yours. Um, and, and and a lot of entrepreneurs they they forget that. And, and really, 
lots of small business forget that when in Texas, for example, if your business is small enough, you don't have to pay your sales tax monthly. You can pay it quarterly. And so then it becomes really misleading, right? Yeah. If your bank account continues to grow for three months and then that 8% is due, right? Mm -hmm. you, you get there and you're, whoa, wait a minute. I, you, you may have forgotten that that isn't your money. So it takes a tremendous amount of fiscal discipline. You, you've right. got to you know, self-mandate and control those dollars so you don't co-mingle them uh, because when you collect them, they're co-mingled, right? They're, they're in your operating account. Right. But when you're looking at your operating account, you need to know what money is mine and what money is not mine. Mm -hmm. um, and you can do that at any level. It could, it could be a small 200 square foot coffee shop or big hotel. Everybody faces the same challenges and you, you've got to understand how to keep those finances separate so you don't get yourself in trouble. Right. And when you say, you know, $1,000 is only $80 of tax, well, that might not sound like a lot, but when you're talking about a million dollars, that's $80,000. That's a lot of money. That is a payroll. That's maybe two people on payroll that you don't have that fund for, that you have to owe that to the government. And so, you know, when we talk small numbers, it might not seem like that big of a deal, but when you really look at the perspective over a year, or um, bigger numbers, it feels like a lot more that we just don't account for. It does, you know, so, so sort of a general rule of thumb for our company is that um, we want to both grow our top line and our bottom line at an average of 12 and a half percent per year. And the reason for that is every six years, our company will double in size. Mm -hmm. um, and so- Explain before you keep going, explain to our listeners what top line and bottom line might mean for those who might not understand. Right. So we want to increase our revenue, right? Increase our sales every year by 12 and a half percent, right? The dollars that we have coming into us from our consumers. And then we want to increase our level of profitability, right? Our, our net operating income, how many dollars we realize in profit by 12 and a half percent per year as well. And so people say, well, well, Dennis, how do you come up with 12 and a half percent? It's just a general rule of thumb. And if you follow it, Every six years, your company will double in size. And it doesn't mean that you have to do 12.5% every year, right? You, you could grow 25% one year and 0% next year. But as long as over the six-year period, you've grown an average of 12.5%, both in terms of your sales and in terms of your profitability, then you're doubled, you have doubled the size of your company. Right. And so the reason why I mention that is that it is so incredibly... Um, important for us that at the completion of every monthly cycle, when we receive our financial statements and our cash flows statements, we want to see how much free cash that we have. And we want to take those dollars and we want to reinvest them either back into our business or into acquisitions of new businesses or entering new arenas. But we have to be mindful that all of those dollars are not ours. Right. Some of them are property tax. Some of them are franchise tax. Some of them are federal income tax escrow. Some of them are sales tax. And we're talking lots of dollars, right? When you start saying two hotels and a restaurant and a handful of bars and some private debt and some private equity money coming in, uh, there are a lot of dollars. Yeah. The, well, and then know. once you throw employees in there, then you've got payroll tax as well and all the expenses that come with having employees. And to Absolutely. run hotels and to run restaurants, you've got to have people to be able to do that. 
know, payroll tax is a great one, right? So when, when you when you look at a, a team member and say you hire that team member and you pay them $10 an hour, we budget an additional 10% as the cost associated with that team member. So that $10 per hour is really $11 per hour, right? After we're paying the employer's for, portion of the, the food attacks and the suit attacks, and we mm-hmm. add in our 401k and we add in our uh, uh, company match on healthcare, uh, it increases the cost by about 10% on average. And so that's a great example. And you have to think about that when you're, when you're hiring someone, it isn't, it isn't $10 an hour or $20 an hour, right? It's an extra 10% on top of that, that you as an employer are matching in taxes and such. Right. And you're collecting taxes on behalf of your employee and paying that. It's your responsibility. Right. Right. And that's something that, you know, if you have employees, you definitely have to pay those. If you don't have employees, at some point you will. At some point you probably will. And so um, you do need to consider those before you start going into adding expenses. Um, and what you're saying about just to clarify your bottom line, your top line, when we increase our top line, when we increase our ex- our um, income, typically that's going to increase some of our expenses. It, it costs money to bring in more money. And so that's why you are also saying you're, you're growing both your top line and your bottom line. So we're keeping those expenses at a rate that isn't going to kill you either. Um, you don't want to go from $500,000 in business to a million dollars in business and not increase that profit line. You also want to increase that. You don't want to have to be spending so much money in your expenses. And so um, part of this conversation does need to revolve around you know, when we go into business, we don't want to be talking about our taxes, talking about our expenses, talking about all these things. And then our profit is low and our profit is um, next to zero. Um, We have to be in business to make money. That's the whole reason we're in business is to be profitable, not to spend all of our money. And sometimes that can be misleading. Um, I have a lot of women that listen to the podcast. I have a lot of women that take our courses and, and kind of do this business in the events industry the events industry is very female um, heavy because it's usually weddings and corporate events and social parties and things like that. And so sometimes the mindset of a woman can be, you know, I'm just, I'm helping out. I'm just doing what I'm good at and it's fun. And so, you know, we don't have to make as much money, but part of being in business is that we're making money. We are profitable. And so part of raising our income and raising what we are, um, bringing in revenue wise is also increasing our um, profit margin. We want to have a healthy profit margin, not just spending all the money. Right. Yeah. So, so as you increase your, your, your sales, right. You increase your sales, you do increase your variable expenses as well. Right. right. So if, if you have a store, it requires more personnel in order to right. increase more sales. So your variable expenses do increase uh, at some point you've met all your fixed expense obligations, right? So as your sales increase, your uh, mortgage payment, for example, doesn't get any larger, right. right? So at some point you're able to, we call it flex and flow. At some point you're able to flow more to the bottom line mm-hmm. as your sales increase, because once you've met the obligation of your fixed expenses, the only thing left is variable. Right. So it's your cost of labor, your cost of goods. Um, and so we like to say that we can flex the budget when times are slow and we can 
flow to the bottom line when times are better. Right. Now, I will tell you that an increase in sales does two things. Sales solves a lot of problems, but it hides a lot of mistakes, that right? Yeah. You, you can increase your sales tenfold and that solves a lot of your problems, but it also creates a lot of errors along the way that get overlooked. And um, I'll, I'll tell you that a, that a global pandemic, when our hospitality sales dropped 95%, we thought we were a lean company and we realized overnight that we weren't as lean as we thought we were. Yep. And so we had to flex the budget, right? You had to flex it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that for sure. I mean, we are heavily, we are primarily in the events industry. And when events dried up, you know, we thought we were doing great, great before the pandemic hit. And then all of our events went away. 99% of all of our income um, was depleted um, overnight really. And we realized, oh, wow, we are spending a lot in some of these softwares that we really don't need to be spending in. And we are spending a lot more over here in this expense that, man, we didn't realize we we're doing that because we were having a healthy income coming in. We we're having cash flow and it was good. And 2019 was a, a great year uh, revenue wise. And then when it all goes away, that's when some of those red flags start showing up and you're like, oh, crap. I should probably look at that. So that's exactly right. When, you're, when your revenue is coming in and you are seeing an increase in that, it can hide some of those things that you're like, well, maybe I need to look at that again. Indeed, indeed, that's 100% accurate. And I, th I think that it makes good operators better, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but what was most important during such a tremendous downturn is that you had to make decisions quickly. And it wasn't that it was always going to be the right decision or the perfect decision, but the longer you waited to make that decision, even in terms of minutes, yeah. right? You deplete yeah. cash. And at some point your cash is depleted and you no longer have a company. Yeah. And so, you know, it was 2020 for us was in, in, in events as well, right? It was all about survival. Yeah. Right? Make decisions, make decisions fast, make sure that there's a company here when this bump in the road, which was significant, but this significant <laughs> bump in the road is gone, right. um, we're able to have hill, a company. hill in the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe it was a mountain. I mean, it was, maybe closer to a mountain. That's true. It's it quite significant. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we still have to be careful about it still. I mean, events are coming back. Hospitality is coming back. Travel is coming back. But there's an asterisk with it as well. We don't know how quickly we're going to get back to what maybe 2019 looked like. Um, 2019, I'm sure for you, was similar to how it was for us. It was busy. People were traveling. People were um, making plans and doing things and going out to eat and having date nights and all of these things. And 2020 was opposite of that. It was very drastically different than what 2019 looked like. And as we are in 2021, and things are slowly starting to evolve back into what might be the new normal or similar to what um, pre-pandemic life looked like, we still have to be cautious because we don't know, you know, is there going to be another um, pandemic that happens? Will we retreat back to those uh, 2020 days? Will, um, you know, will people be willing to go out and live life again? And how quickly? And so while business might be getting busier again, 
Um, and we think, oh, we need to hire, oh, we need to, you know, bring this new expense on or whatever that looks like for us. Um, also having the mindset that, hey, we need to also be quick to make decisions if we need to go back on those or if we need to um, kind of hold in those expenses a little bit more. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I've got a philosophy and it's pretty simple, right? Ne never bet against America, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, America always finds a way to come back. And um, I do think that uh, conventions and events are going to take a little longer, right? Restaurants are yeah. back, bars are back, people are um, dr drive to leisure destinations are all the rave right now is where mm -hmm. everybody wants to be. They feel safe in their vehicle. They feel <laughs> safe on a beach. Um, but, you know, we're looking now at hotel acquisitions and primarily we are looking in the uh, submarkets that are dependent on conventions mm -hmm. because those are the assets that are still severely distressed mm -hmm. and many have gone back to their lenders. And so that is where, as the, as the, as the growth of the company for us, we see the lowest hanging fruit is uh, we, we were well capitalized prior to the pandemic. We managed well during the pandemic. And now as we're seeing ourselves, you know, move out of the pandemic, right? Optics are most important, um, but where the opportunity lies, we believe uh, are hotels, for example, in convention center districts, mm -hmm. because it's probably another 18 to 24 months before they come back. Um, but for us, it, 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 yeah, yeah, it presents a, it presents a, a buying opportunity um, because you can hold them for 18 to 24 months and it comes back and then you're in a good position. So, right. um, you know, there, there are, there are opportunities there. Um, but it's certainly, it's certainly a challenge for those operators who, who weren't able to make it, um, in those sub markets. Right. Right. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit more about taxes and maybe some tactics and some tips that we can, um, give to those who might be starting out in business or be newer to business. Um, what are some ways that you may be learning from making mistakes or learning from other people in the past? What have gotten you to a place where um, you feel confident going into the 20th of the month and going into the quarterly and yearly? What are some things that you've done and put into place where that makes it a little bit easier, less stressful, um, make it to where you're not forgetting to make those payments and such um, that we can share with those people? Right. So uh, probably the easiest one to address is our property taxes. So if you have a mortgage, your lender at no cost will escrow your property taxes on your behalf and they will make those payments on the 31st of January on your behalf. It is an incredibly easy way to say, I know that taxes are due on this asset and I'm gonna to have to pay them and I'm gonna to have to escrow the monthly, the money monthly anyway, let the bank escrow it on my behalf. So the bank can then take your principal and your interest and they'll take your monthly escrow amount and they'll pay it on your behalf. Um, very easy to do for property taxes. For, um, for sales tax, uh, a good rule of thumb, um, it very early on in business we did this, a good rule of thumb is to open a separate bank account. And we called that a sales tax escrow account. And so what we would do is weekly, we would look at the previous seven days, we would determine what our 
sales tax collected was, and we would take that money out of our operating account and we would put it into our sales tax escrow account. That ensured that every seven days, once we made that transfer, we knew that the money in our operating account was really our money. Right. And the sales tax dollars was really not ours. Similarly, you can do the same with federal income tax. Um, federal income tax is a little bit different in the sense that I don't know what the number is, but at some number, we hit that number, whatever it is. The, the federal government says you have to pay quarterly estimates mm -hmm. of your federal income tax based on what your actual payments were the previous year. And you can't argue that. Even if you go into a year and, and you know maybe you're going to do less sales, doesn't matter to the federal government. Um, so again, it's important that perhaps when you're making your weekly sales tax transfers into an escrow account, you can escrow some money for your federal income tax as well. I think what's most important is just to find a way that works for you that when you look at your operating account, you know what belongs to you, but more importantly, you know what doesn't belong to you. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, the only way that really works is if you have your own self-discipline and your own fiscal discipline and you implement these strategies on your own and maybe cumbersome initially to set up multiple accounts. But once you start doing it, it's so easy, it becomes routine and you really set yourself up for success to ensure that you don't miss any payments. Because you miss a payment, it's penalty and interest. And generally they're 10% each. Right. Okay. So, and it accrues daily. Yeah. Okay. We, 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 yeah, we've missed a payment a before. Tisk tisk on the hand. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It isn't. Yeah. They're very, uh, all of the taxing entities are very polite, but they're also yeah. very matter of fact. You yeah. missed a payment and, and you're going to have to pay. Now, notwithstanding natural disasters and stuff, right? they'll, they'll, right. they'll work with you. Um, but generally speaking, they're still going to charge you penalty and interest. <laughs> they'll work with you, but you're right. still going to pay the penalty and interest. Right. Right. Hey there friends, Cam here. I wanted to take a quick break to let you in on a very special announcement. Are you interested in starting a profitable event rental business? Well, we are so excited to announce another free masterclass that's gonna teach you how to do just that. In this webinar, you're gonna learn how I built a seven-figure event rental business without investor money or taking out loans, our tried and true method that helped increase our average rental order from $750 to almost $4,000. Our three principles for creating the ultimate sales funnel to bring in new clients consistently, best practices for managing logistics and systems from delivery to execution, and the five elements needed to purchase inventory and price it for profitability, no matter your location. Register for this free masterclass in the link in our show notes. Well, I think that's a great, um, great tip is to separate some of those accounts so that when you're looking at your total accounts, you're not looking at maybe a business checking and business savings. You're looking at multiple things and knowing this is what I actually have. This is what I don't have because 8% or whatever percent you're, you're qualified in, that's not your money. That's the government's money. We're just um, the third person trying to get that money to them. Uh, you're just the you're you're the conduit. You're yeah. the, you're the liaison. Yeah, you're you're the you're really the person that is most important. 
Right. 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 Exactly. You're the one who's who's telling the consumer, hey, by the way, I have to collect someone else's money. Right. And then next month I have to say, okay, here's your money. Right. Um, exactly. It's, it's quite cumbersome if you think about it, but yeah. you don't think about it. You just do it. You just do it because we have to do it. There's no way around it. Correct. Well, what other, do you have any other final um, things that you want to talk about when it comes to taxes for small business that you want our listeners to kind of walk away with and start doing? Is there any challenges that you have for our listeners to kind of get in a better habit of this? Yeah. So what, what I don't want any listener to take away from this is that taxes are uh, uh, incredibly cumbersome and I don't want to start a new business because of it. <laughs> don't take that away from this right. conversation. Um, my spouse is a small business owner during the pandemic. Uh, she started a sunglass line. These questions that we're going over right now are the same questions that her and I went over in our household. She faced the same challenges. How do I set up the sales tax account with the state of Texas? How do I collect the sales out of my square platform so I know how much to pay? Um, treat business with fiscal discipline, have fun with it, but know early, early on what is yours and what is not yours. That way you set yourself up for success. And if you stumble, because you will, all entrepreneurs stumble, you may make a payment late. You may forget about a payment. It's not the end of the world. Right. It happens to all of us, us included. Okay. During yeah. the pandemic, it, it, it happened. Okay. I had 90% of my staff furloughed. We were working on a, you know, shoestrings trying to figure out how you do it. We stumbled along the way, but you can't look at your, your failures as failures, right? You, you have to look at them as an opportunity to ensure that you don't repeat the same mistake twice. And so I would encourage all of your listeners that if you're considering to go into small business, do it. You, you'll, never, you'll never know the success that you could have had if you don't take the opportunity to do it. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you quit your job to do it. You started as a side business, right? A side hustle. And if it gets big enough to where it then inconveniences your day job, when then you leave your day job and do your 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 side business full time, but don't let taxes be discouraging. Mm -hmm. Just understand what they are. Understand your sales tax, your franchise tax, your property tax, your payroll tax, your federal income tax, right. <laughs> whatever additional taxes they add after right. this podcast airs. Some, some more taxes are coming. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but don't let it be discouraging. Uh, it's just, it's just business. That when you start business, you're not going to have all of these taxes. You might not have payroll tax. You might not have property tax when you first start. Eventually, you're going to add things on the more expenses and the more um, things that you add to your business. But you're not generally going to have a million different places to pay your taxes right when you start. Um, you will have some, but don't feel like, you know, all these different terms of taxes are all as soon as you start and as soon as you open business. That's accurate. Yes. Uh, yes. Uh, when you're starting small business, when I, when I started my small business, I lived above my business for seven years. Uh, I, I don't think I ever made a dollar in the first seven years. And I, I probably didn't pay any taxes in the first seven years either because I wasn't making any money. Right. Um, 
And so, yeah, you, you've got time to figure it out. Do not listen to this podcast and say, oh my gosh, I'm going to go and spend the next two weeks figuring out the taxes. No, 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 no. Spend the next two weeks figuring out how to launch business. And then once you've launched your business, having taxes is a good problem. Right. That means you have a business, okay. right? I, I, had a, I had an old partner of mine who, who mentioned to a partner of his one year when he, he they, they made a million dollars in profit, but they only walked home with, with $600,000 because of federal income tax. And he was very, very frustrated. And his partner said, well, I have a solution to that. He said, well, what is the solution? He says, make $2 million, <laughs> right? So that solves a lot of your problems, but no, please, please don't, uh, don't take away from this uh, podcast that uh, taxes are cumbersome and that it should uh, misguide you in right. going into business for yourself. Just do it. Take the leap of faith. Exactly. Well, thanks so much, Dennis, for being on our podcast today. I'm excited to put it out into the world and help other business owners. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, Cam, and I wish all of your listeners tremendous success, and I hope that they all go and start their, their business, and I hope they listen to you for further advice. Well, thank you so much. We'll link all of your links in our show notes. So if listeners want to come and check you out, they can come find you. Very good. Thank you. Thanks.